So if you want to open your Bibles, and if you don't have one, there's one in the underneath the chair right in front of you, you can grab, and you can find the book of Revelation and just go back a couple books and you'll find 2 Peter. We've been working our way through 2 Peter for quite some time and want to cover this next section. But before we do that, I would like to pray. Father, we need help to appreciate your word. We need help to understand your word. We need help to see clearly in the midst of all the things that are grabbing for our attention, the value of your word. We pray that uh, the words we'll look at this morning, God, would you would, by your spirit, open our hearts so that we have understanding and we can repent where we need to repent and we can be encouraged where we need encouragement, instruction where we need instruction, rebuke where we need rebuke, and that we could be equipped to better handle your word, better appreciate your word, And we just give you our hearts and minds in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So you've heard of uh, Robin Hood, Alice in Wonderland, Pinocchio, Wizard of Oz, Lion King, Harry Potter, Cinderella, Peter Pan, Rudolph, Bambi, A Christmas Carol, Legends of Sleepy Hollow, Rip Van Winkle, Little Red Riding Hood. And I could probably go on and on, and I missed some of your favorites. But those are tales, legends, myths, stories. And what Peter says here in First Peter or Second Peter chapter one is critically important for us to understand. He said, we did not invent clever stories. We did not follow clearly or cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm reading from verse 16. In First Peter, Second Peter chapter 1. We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to Him from the majestic glory, saying, This is My Son whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. And we have heard the word of the prophets made more certain. And you do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of men. 
But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You could probably, some of the names and the tales and the storyline came into your mind as I shared some of those stories. And you remember watching them or reading a book to your children or having the book read to you as a child. But do you know the storyline of Scripture? Do we know the names and the faces and the places of that story? And so when Peter tells us, we did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus. He's inviting us to ponder how we know something is true versus a cleverly invented story. How do we understand the truth and the relevance and the power and the authority of God's Word versus cleverly invented stories. If we're more familiar with the cleverly invented stories than we are in the fables and the myths and the legends, and we know the storyline more than we know the storyline of Scripture, then we're going to be in a place of weakness and gullibility, and he's preparing um, the readers of his letter because he says in chapter 2, there's false teachers among you. And these false teachers are going to come up with words of their own imaginations, cleverly invented stories to lead you astray. And so he's telling us that this scripture, the stories they told, and I hope it grips you. Do you realize that you're one set of eyes away? You're one set of ears away. You're one hand away. Because these people that wrote these scriptures, they walked with Jesus, they talked with Jesus, and they said that we're eyewitnesses of His majesty. And He wants to tell us what we've seen what we've heard, what we experienced. And yet he goes on to say that that pales in comparison to the word, the word of God, your experience, my experience, even what we see with our eyes, what we hear with our ears and what we experience is not more critical, more crucial, more powerful, more authoritative than the word of God. Because our eyes can see wrong, our ears can hear wrong, and we can have experiences that are all over the map. But so he says in verse 19, and we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you do well to pay attention to it. And so we're going to talk about those things this morning, and what, what he's trying to tell us. Peter, James, and John heard the voice of the Father, when they were either at Jesus' baptism. Um, there was three different times in Scripture where there was three instances in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where the audible voice of the Father spoke to Jesus. One was at Jesus' baptism. That would have been early in his life before he uh, had his disciples with him. 
but that's in Matthew chapter 3. And I just want to point that out to you quickly. Matthew chapter 3, where in verse 16 and 17, when Jesus was just beginning his earthly ministry, and he was submitting to John's baptism, not for repentance of sin, but to be the forerunner. It says in verse 16, chapter 3, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And then in Matthew chapter 17, the, the specific incident that Peter's referring to, the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus took a couple of disciples, Peter, James, and John, up to a mountain, and he was transfigured before them. And I just want to read that a uh, couple of those simple verses there in chapter 17, verse 5. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And then the third incident is in, recorded in the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verse 27. And Jesus was with some followers, and he said, Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say, Father? Save me from this hour. No, it was from this reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there heard it, and they said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for you, for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. But when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. So when Peter says we did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came from the majestic glory saying, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And then he says, we ourselves heard this. And, but as powerful as the eyewitness account and as powerful of hearing and as powerful as the experience, he says, we have the word made more clear. I took the privilege just to go through some of the verses. And I, there's so many verses that, that within the Bible speak about the, the Bible, the truth of the Bible the authority of the Bible. Over and over, all the way from Genesis to the end, the Bible has truth claims about itself. And so I'm just going to read a few of them. Isaiah 40, verse 8 says this, The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Psalm 12, verse 6 says, The words of the Lord are flawless, like silver refined in a furnace of clay, Seven times purified. Psalm 119, 160. All your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. Psalm 1830. As for God, his way is perfect. 
The word of the Lord is flawless. Deuteronomy 8.3, which is also um, mentioned by Jesus in answering to the devil's taunts in Matthew 4.4. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Psalm 33, verse 4, for the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. Psalm 33, verse 6, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And then I would invite you to turn to Psalm 19. Psalm 19. It says this, starting in verse 7, about the word of God. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. What a beautiful claim. What a beautiful promise. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. What a beautiful claim. What a beautiful promise. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. What a beautiful and powerful claim. What a beautiful promise. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. What a claim. What a promise. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. The word of God. And so Peter puts the word of God above his, what his eyes have seen, about what his ears, above what his ears has heard, and about what he's experienced. And he said, we have the word of the prophets made more sure. And I want you to um, come away with that today. When we think about the word as verse, versus cleverly invented stories. There's nothing like the Bible. It's not a cleverly invented story. It's the historical account of the people of God written over 1,600 years by 40 different authors, 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 in the New, all focusing on the same theme, the glory of God and His Savior, Jesus Christ. 3, 000, over 3,800 times, it says in the Bible, mostly in the Old Testament, when the prophet spoke, they said, this is the word of God, over 3,800 times. When we come to the New Testament, again and again, we're affirmed that the New Testament is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And again, it says, this is in fulfillment what was spoken of the prophets. So we have the Word of God made more sure. And we have the confirmation of Scripture. Over 300 times, this is just what we can understand with our um, unlimited ability to know everything and all that the Holy Spirit intended. There's over at least 300 references to the coming of Jesus and His kingship and His Messiahship in the Old Testament that are fulfilled in the New Testament. Not everyone is uh, completely spelled out by the Holy Spirit. And so you just think, if we could really grasp all that God's Word is teaching us, it's flawless, it's true, it's verified. It gives light 
to dark eyes. A couple other verses. When Jesus was walking on the road to Emmaus with two of his disciples after his resurrection, and they were downhearted and discouraged. And this is in Luke 24. And these are some verses that you should know about and you should recognize and, re- and go to them for encouragement about what the scriptures are teaching us. In chapter 24 of the Gospel of Luke, as Jesus was walking on the road, this is what he said. And I'm going to read from verse 27. I better start with verse 25 because he's talking to these men and they're discouraged. He said to them, how foolish you are and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. And he's just assuming that they would trust and believe that the, the word of God is true and that the prophets are true, but they didn't get it. Verse 26, did not the Christ, and he's talking about himself and they're not yet recognized who he is. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses, back in the Old Testament, way back in the beginning of the Bible, beginning with Moses and all the prophets. He's including the whole Old Testament there. He explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And then it goes on in verse 44. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. And I would invite you, every time you open the scriptures, you should ask God to give you understanding. Lord, give me insight. Help me to understand how the scriptures point to you, how they unfold your story how they tell your story of your glory. He opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what was written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city till you've been clothed with power from on high. So when Peter's talking about cleverly invented stories. If you look down, go back to Second Peter here, and I want you just to notice how he's going to open chapter 2 of Second uh, Peter. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false prophets among you. He cares about these readers. He cares about these readers' families. He cares about their children. He cares about their grandchildren. He cares about you and I through the grace of God. And he says, listen, there's going to be, there was false prophets back then. There's false prophets today. What do they do? It says they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. We're going to enter into chapter 2 probably next week, and we'll spend a little bit of time in there, and we'll break for Resurrection Sunday. But it's a dark chapter. It's a dark chapter. 
It's a dark chapter because it talks about the people who intentionally try to degrade the Word of God, the story of God, the gospel of God with cleverly invented stories, things they make up in their own mind. And it's interesting, it didn't start in the New Testament. Back in the Old Testament, there's the chapter in Jeremiah, one of the major prophets, Jeremiah 23. And God is rebuking his people because they had gone astray. And in Jeremiah 23, it includes this verse in chapter 23, verse 6. It says this. My heart is broken within me and all my bones tremble. I'm like a broken man, like a man overcome by wine because of the Lord and his holy word. The land is full of adulterers, verse 10. Because of the curse, the land lies parched and pastures in the desert are withered. The prophets follow an evil course and they use their power unjustly. Both prophet and priest are godless. Even in my temple, I find wickedness, declares the Lord. And it talks about them making up their own imaginations instead of preaching and teaching God's word. And they've lost their way and they lead the people astray. And so today, same situation. We have false teachers. We have false prophets. We have people making up cleverly invented stories. And Peter says, listen, I was there. I'm an eyewitness what I saw, what I heard, but still the word of God is more sure. And that's what we need to be trusting. Peter is saying that you, we, you do well to make it your habit to keep this sure word. The sure word of the prophets. The sure word that they're written down. The sure word that is more dependable than eyes and ears and experience. God's eternal word, his truth, God's prophetic word. It's interesting that the scriptures, people try to discredit them and mock them while they would uh, make up other stories. This is a historical event. It includes dates. It includes events. It includes places and names of people. And you could look at the historiography of the scripture. You could study it. You could go back, around, back, do the background work and people would still not believe. That's why we need to um, continue to preach and teach and follow, stay in God's word, pay attention to God's word, practice God's word, meditate on God's word. Because what he says in verse 19 is true. It's like a light shining in a dark place. We have the word of God shining our way in a dark place. Psalm 119, I believe it's verse 105. The word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And we have Jesus saying that he is the way, the truth, and the life. That he's the light of the world. Verse 20. Above all. You must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. I want to just help you understand that word interpretation. It may make you think that it's talking about somebody reads it and then they try to understand it. 
But in the Greek there, it's pointing to the word origin. And it's very clear that Peter's trying to help them understand that above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own will, by his decision, by the origin of him. To help them understand that above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own will, by his decision, by the origin of him. And it's God's word. It's God's word. Above all, it means first in time, first in order, first in place, first in importance. Rather than cleverly invented stories, we need to recognize that Scripture's origin is in God. Recognizing that Scripture is not of human origin is an absolute priority, Peter's saying. Above all, so that when you read the Scripture, you would read it differently in a sense of understanding that it does have a completely different origin than your newspaper, than anything the media would put out. It doesn't come from man. Recognizing that Scripture is not of human origin. It's just an absolutely fundamental priority for anybody who's going to grow in their Christian faith. They've done some research lately, and they've just asked people in a general surveys, do you believe that the Bible is the Word of God? And even among people confessing to be Christians, it's a pathetic percentage of what people say when, well, some of it might be, we're not sure, no, it can't be. And so you need to decide by research and study and by faith if this is the Word of God or not. Each person has to decide that. And you decide it not by blind faith as if there's no evidence and there's no research. You can go back and look at the historical documents and you can study and there's piles of it. But it still comes down to you Trusting God, trusting his word. And so he says, above all else, you must understand. And the word understanding that the NIV uses is the word know. The same word of knowledge that he's been using all the way through the first chapter, six times at least in the first chapter, 11 times in the book. And he's talking about knowledge of an experiential knowledge, not just a head knowledge where you could readily agree, yeah, I know the Bible's the word of God. No. He's talking about, have you, do you experience that on a regular basis because you're entering into that experiential relationship that can only come from personal knowledge? A knowing that's relational, not just intellectual. Spiritual knowledge is something I grow in and I practice as a lifestyle. And there's a drastic difference between intellectual knowledge and experiential knowledge in the sense of knowing something that you're going to then participate and practice in rather than just say, yeah, I believe that. So when you are ready to say you believe it, then you would, be, you would get on the board that crosses the bridge. You wouldn't just say, yeah, I believe it could hold me up. You would actually get out on that board and you would stand there and you would cross the river. In John 17, verse 7, it says this. 
John, or turn with me to John chapter 7. The Gospel of John chapter 7. Therefore, Jesus told them, the right time for me has not yet come. For you, any time is right. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that what it does is evil. Talking with the people that were his own brothers did not believe him. And because he was pointing out the truth and they wouldn't accept it. And so we learn this kind of knowing by doing. And you walk it out. And he goes on further in that. Same chapter, verse 16. Jesus answered, My teaching is not my own. It comes from him who sent me. If anyone, choo if anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out. Okay? If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. So there's a practice. There's an application of of the truth of the word that we must apply in our lives to find out and to the truth of it. Step out on that bridge. So it says you can take God at his word and this knowing that Peter is referring to there. I'm in back in chapter two or, or second Peter in that verse 20 above all else you must understand Above all else, you must know. You take God at His word. This knowing comes, it comes in the going. The knowing comes in the going. You can read all you want about swimming. Right? You can read all you want about basketball or hockey or football. You can read all you want about baking a cake even. But the knowing is in the doing. And this is the type of knowing he's referring to. If and when you reject God's word, it comes out in your practice. The rejecting of, of God's word comes out in your practice. It comes out in your daily living. The acceptance of God's word, trusting God's word, comes out in your daily living. You can't deny that in your life and in my life. What we believe is what we practice, and what we practice comes out in our daily life. People who believe God's word, people who accept God's word as it is, not as cleverly invented stories, but as it is the word of God, which is true, the word of God, which is living and active, the word of God, which is purified seven times, as if seven times silver, the word of God that is flawless. People who practice and trust God's word, live differently. They trust God. And so the attempt to demonstrate that in their day-to-day -day lives, and it comes out in how they treat people, it comes out in how they act in their business work, whether they're employer or employee. And it's a knowing of his word that has a priority in our lives and becomes the code of our behavior. And we, we are under the rule of Scripture. Scripture is God's Word. Peter's point is that there is no Scripture that came about by the mind of man. Man didn't create Scripture. God is the author 
and perfecter of Scripture. No Scripture had its origin in the fancy of man. I mean, we've come up with a lot of good stories over the years, haven't we? And I was thinking earlier, what are, why are these cleverly invented stories so long-lasting? They're entertaining. They're captivating. Once in a while, they give us some insights and truth into reality. When they're bent that way, they shape our values, good or bad. But there's no story like this story. There's a song, I think, it, I just remember one line right now. I heard an old, old story, but I don't think it was a cleverly invented tale. I think it was a song that talked about the glory of God and the goodness of God. I heard an old, old story, right? Verse 20, the word prophecy there is just the idea of speaking forth, and it's not used here in this verse in a sense of prediction, it's not telling you the future, but it's just declaring the truth of God. So it says, we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you do well to pay attention to it as a light shining in a dark place. So if you're not following the word of God, you're going to end up in a dark place. I told a story this week of uh, when I was at the FHL school to the kids when I was in Alaska. And I was standing next to a raging river, and it was uh, getting later in the evening. And even though in the summertime the sun doesn't, it doesn't ever become totally dark during the summertime. You can uh, you can still read a newspaper at 12 midnight on June 24th in Alaska. And so I was standing by this river, and I wanted to just go for a little walk. And I thought, well, this is good because I'll always know where I am because I can hear the raging river. And so what I didn't realize is there was a mountain range on this side, not far away, and there was a mountain range behind me. So when I turned around and started walking, I wasn't thinking much. I was just enjoying trying to get over the tangled woods and thinking about, I wonder if I'll be grizzly bait. And as I moved forward, I realized that what happens if there's a mountain range here and a mountain range here and there's a raging river in the middle? It was echoing. And it dawned on me, it sounds like the river's over here. It sounds like the river's over here. And it was terror for just a couple of minutes. And I wasn't afraid of the grizzlies as I was of the mosquitoes. But uh, I realized that I was lost for a second. I was disorientated. And I thought, is Peter trying to tell his dear readers, you're going to end up in a dark place. But this is a lamp shining in a dark place. The Word of God is a lamp that shines in a dark place. And I was reminded of a couple of scriptures. Let me read out of the book of Proverbs just a few verses here. You can turn there later. Just write the reference down. But in Proverbs chapter 4, it says this. The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter Till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They don't know what makes them stumble. 
That's chapter 4 of Proverbs, verse 18 and 19. Chapter 6 of Proverbs says this, My son, keep your father's commands. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them around your heart forever. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. For these commands are a lamp. This teaching is a light. So I wonder if Peter's thinking about the scriptures, specifically some that he may have known out of the whole Old Testament there. <coughs> when he says, pay attention as to a light shining in a dark place. And the NIV interprets the word light, but it's a lamp. And they're thinking about the lamp that has its own source of oil, that it burns continuously. And there was a light in the Old Testament, a pillar of light that guided the people during the night that never left their side. And during the day, it was a pillar of fire. Verse 21, for prophecy, you could use the word scripture there, for prophecy never had its origin in the will of men. But men spoke from God and were carried along <coughs> by the Holy Spirit. Scripture never, never, ever, never had before, never will in the future, had its origin in the will of men. But contrast that, the opposite of the will of men is meant that God is the originator of Scripture. God is the originator of Scripture. I was reminded of a song this week by Aaron and Jeffrey. You can look it up. But there's 66 books in the Bible. And if you know the storyline of Scripture, you can go to any Bible in the Old Testament all the way through to the New, and you can see a scarlet letter. A scarlet letter because it refers to Jesus in one way or another, shape or form. And so this song, it's a song that lasts 7 minutes and 36 seconds. We're not going to play it now. But... It tells the whole story of what these guys saw in that scarlet letter. And so I was just thinking through scripture and I was thinking, well, they missed, they, they, they didn't miss this, but they didn't have time to include this in their song. So you start thinking through, if you know the story of scripture in Genesis, pointing to Jesus, he's the breath of life, the crusher of Satan's head. Exodus, the Passover lamb. Genesis also, he was the lamb that was there in Genesis 22. When Abraham said to his son, when his son said, Father, the fire and the wood are here, but where's the lamb? And Abraham said, God will provide himself the lamb. Leviticus Jesus is our high priest. Numbers, he's a fire by night. Moses' voice in Deuteronomy and the rock which accompanied them. As it says in 1 Corinthians 10, the rock from which the water poured out. In Joshua, he's salvation's choice. In Judges, he's the lawgiver. Ruth, he's the kinsman redeemer. First and second Samuel and first and Kings, he's the trusted prophet and the son of David, the sovereign king. Esther, he's the true and faithful scribe. 
Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder of broken walls and hearts. Esther, he's Mordecai's courage. Job, he's a timeless redeemer. Psalms, our morning song. Proverbs, our wisdom. Ecclesiastes, he's the time and the season. Song of Solomon, he's the lover's dream. Isaiah, he's the prince of peace and the suffering servant. Jeremiah, he's the weeping prophet. Lamentations, he's the cry for Israel. Ezekiel, Ezekiel, he's the call from sin. To go away from sin. And Daniel, he's the fourth man in the fire. Hosea, he's forever faithful. And Jonah, he's the spirit's power. Amos, he's the arms that carry us. Obadiah, he's Lord or Savior. He's also the great missionary in Jonah. Micah, he's the promise of grace. Nehemiah, our strength and our shield. And then you come to all the way through the Old Testament, and you could, as you know the story, you could remember references toward Jesus. And then you come to the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He's God. He's God's son. He's the Messiah. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the light. He's the resurrection. He's the bread. He's the gate. He's the way. He's the shepherd for the sheep. In Acts, the fire fell from heaven. He's the fire. In Romans, he's the grace of God. In Corinthians, he's the power of love. In Galatians, he's freedom from the curse. In Ephesians, he's the head of the church. In Philippians, the servant's heart in Colossians, he's the fullness of God. In Thessalonians, he's our coming king. In Timothy and Titus and Philemon, our mediator and our faithful pastor. Hebrews, he's the better covenant and the lasting covenant. He's our faithful one. In James, he's the one who heals the sick. In First and Second Peter, he's our chief shepherd. In Jude and John, he's the lover of his bride. In Revelation, he's the king of kings, the Alpha and the Omega, and the Lord of lords. So all the way through Scripture. And so Peter can say, we have the word of Scripture made more sure. Don't trust your eyes. Don't trust your ears. Don't trust your experience. Trust Scripture above that. God gave us eyes to see, ears to hear, a mind to comprehend. But he gave us his sure word. And we have this sure word as an anchor for the soul. We have this sure word confirmed over and over. And we're to trust it. And we see um, over and over again as we find the cleverly invented stories trying to replace the truth of God's word. And it's going to lead us into more and more chaos more and more into darkness and more and more into getting lost. And we need to hang on to the way, the truth and the life, which is Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we're reminded story after story of places and events and people historical events, historical places and people, encounters with you, 
included in your word from beginning to end, trying to show us the way, trying to give us a stable place to stand in an ever-shifting culture, a stable place to stand in amongst all the ideas and stories and conceptions of truth when the Bible tells us your word is truth. Father, we're thankful for your word. Help us to stand in it and to trust it, to obey it, and to share it with others. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. So as we come to near the end of our time, we're going to share the Lord's table together, and Phil's going to come lead us in that. But I just want to um, share a couple more announcements and a little some prayer requests too. So next uh, 